the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Intelligent. Conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to Hour 2 of tonight's Andrea K. Show. Monday for me, if you will, since we were shut down at a business last night with a power outage. Glad to be, super glad to be back in the studio with you guys. Always miss you when I'm not here. And I'm, I'm always glad when Tuesday rolls around because I think I get my biggest laughs of the show when Gary Quackenbush is here from GQ Law for his News You Can Use segment. I, You know, I like to give you more than just my opinions. I like to give you like information that you can use to make your life better. And somehow this segment has come into being a gift for me in terms of always having lots of laughs. So always glad to have you with me, Gary Quackenbush. Andrea, I'm always glad to be around. <clears throat> wow, if I could just get my voice to work. Uh, yeah. So I, I've never been on your show on Monday. I'm very excited to be on your Monday show. Exactly. Uh, Happy Monday. Um, uh, so weird yesterday. Because, I mean, I had a client that came in and, and he said, he said, Gary, I tried to listen to your show today. I listen to your show every day. I just turned the radio on and it just sat there. Nothing happened. I went, yeah, you're right. That was weird. It was. It was like kind of, kind of like a poltergeist, what happened. Just one of those... One those things so um yeah yeah i enjoyed my day off my night off you never have time off because in addition to doing your show which broadcasts every day here too you're an actual law firm with actual clients (laughs) uh so you do lots of work do you have any uh do you have any fun for us tonight do you have any wacky laws to share with us well these so I've got three things that are probably going to be very disappointing for you, and I'm sorry. These it's just the way it is. These laws are actually in effect in the state of California. So I want you to know that it is illegal. So this has to do with animals, okay? Like your pets. Okay. So you cannot walk your pet camel down Palm Canyon Drive in Palm Springs between <laughs> four and six p.m. <laughs> so okay, noted. Okay. Memo to me: next time I'm in Palm yeah. Springs, leave the camel at home. So just just make I mean you can take him out after four I mean after six it just so I just thought that was really important so you with camels don't just don't even try to take him out between four and six I don't know what the penalty is maybe arrest jail time I don't know but then the other thing is like if you're in San Francisco by the way with your pet elephant it must be on a leash. <laughs> what I mean? Well, I guess if, I guess you could say San Francisco is like a circus, but um, uh, right? Go. I guess that's where that comes <laughs> from. It's, yeah, it's always that's interesting. True. You know, it's like Palm Springs. I think I don't think of as being completely wacky left. Um, I don't know where that came from. I don't know if there was at some point, like maybe some type of wild animal park somewhere. I don't know. I don't know who was walking their camel down the street because that ain't saw. It's desert, but it ain't exactly Saudi Arabia. No, it's not. And somebody was just annoyed. I'm sure they went. Gosh, I can't believe somebody. I'm ser- I'm trying to eat.
eat dinner here at Denny's and there's a camel <laughs> being walked down the street. That's so offensive. I'm going to make a law. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> it was some politician on a visit to Palm Canyon and decided to get. I don't know. Maybe it know, was Sonny Bono know. back when Sonny Bono was still there before he ran May- into a tree. Maybe that was his idea. That could be. Maybe he's a camel hater. That could be. Yeah. That could be. <laughs> so that's the thing, you know. <clears throat> so with your, your very large animals, I think you should check first with the <clears throat> crazy California laws to see whether when you should take them out. Mm, okay, good. So, well, well. You uh, thank you for that counsel, counselor. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Absolutely. All yeah. right. And and if you run into a peacock in Arcadia, they have the right of way. Okay. Where's Arcadia? I never know where, where Arcadia is. What is that in L.A.? It's north of here. No, it's not quite. It's in uh, San Bernardino County. In San Bernardino. It's not that far from here. It's only, what do you get? In Arcadia, I think you can get there in an hour. Now, when it comes it's up by Orange College, it's in. I'm sorry, it's in Orange County. It's up by Orange College. Okay, um, not exactly an area where I would think peacocks would be out roaming around. I don't. When I think of that area, I don't think peacocks. Oh, you know what? Do they mean the animal? Well, yeah. What else would mm. they mean? What other peacock would they mean? Oh, well, if it's San Francisco. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Keep it or G. We're that. a G-rated show, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's kind of weird. Anyway. Uh-huh. But that was it. I mean, then in Fresno, you can't bother lizards in the city park. But I just think it's really good that we have laws that support our animals, especially the animals that most of us have, like peacocks, camels, elephants, and lizards. Exactly. Because so that's super where, good. So, yeah. yeah. And I feel protected. Mm. And I feel that, you know, Gavin Newsom, in his illustrious last one-year career, did 770 new laws in the state of California. And now has even proposed um, th- these really fun reparation things. Uh, oh, my gosh. They're just... It keeps going up. Andrew, and- what's happening? What's happening? What's going to happen when we get the... Uh, anyway. <sighs> yeah. So. I mean, you know, it, it's... You know, if even if you come from a place of you think that he's, you know, well-intentioned or whatever, of course it got it gets crazy with people going to the meetings for the reparations and demanding that yeah. every person of color in the state of California get a home, you know, valued at $800,000. And it's like, mm-hmm. next thing you know, they're going to go and check Zillow and realize they ain't going to get them much. So, yeah. you know, then they're yeah. going to come back I for know. more. <laughs> it's wild. It, and, uh, you know, I... I my thing is I was thinking about that this morning and I thought oh my gosh this is why I try to be careful and cautious on what news I listen to because it depends on the channels it can get crazy yeah and get you like all riled up and I'm going I don't want to get riled up until I'm on the AK show and right then we rile up then, yeah. oh yeah I was all riled up last hour I need to be checking my, I need to bring my blood pressure cuff in every night I do the show but that's one of the reasons why I love being on with you because you always make me laugh. And then we're always able to give good information to people so that they can have peace, um, give their family peace, do good for their family. And, you know, and that's the and, and here's how I'm, I'm transitioning in segue, unless you have got more, more wacky. No, no, um, we're into it. But seriously, I mean, seriously, you know, it is something that I know personally. One of the reasons why I became interested in estate planning is that I know personally what happens to families when it's not done. Yes. And so um, I also grew up in a home to where my parents were considered themselves insurance poor because they always wanted to make 
sure they had insurance, you know, to protect everybody. So this is just something that was just always ingrained in me and something that I've experienced. And, and, and when it comes to most situations, it's so preventable in terms of havoc that gets, re, you know, wreaking havoc on families. You can prevent pain. You can prevent. I mean, it, it, yes. they're going to be they're going to be sad enough when you die. You don't have to add to that by heaping all kinds of financial issues and woes onto the family. So what 100%. do you have for us this week in terms of ideas, suggestions, best practices? What do you want to ta- talk about tonight? I think um, what we've run into lately, which has been, I always kind of do, you know, kind of what we're lately having trouble with. And lately it's been conservatorship issues. And I wanted to it, briefly, a conservatorship is like a guardianship for an adult. So it's an incompetent, incapacitated adult that would need a conservatorship. That means that a conservator is appointed to manage the person and or the money of this particular person. So we've had a couple of situations where um, – like an estate plan that wasn't done right or there was no estate plan, no power of attorneys, no, you know, really no, no planning at all. And husband became incapacitated from a disease, not an old guy, you know, basically in his sixties now is, um, you know, now is incapacitated. So had to quit his job and the, the, all of the investments are in the name of the husband. Well, now they, the wife needs money from the investments to care for husband and to pay for the bills and she can't get to them because it is all in his name. So there's no power of attorney. There's no will. There's no trust. So there's nothing that gives her the authority to, to get into stuff that's named in the name of her husband. So we have to go to probate court, get a conservatorship appointed, takes four months. (sighs) It's a pain. It's expensive. And four months later, now we have a conservatorship and now wife who's been really suffering for the last four or five months. Now she has a conservatorship over her husband. Now she can actually get access to the money can stop asking family for help but it was like I've just got, a lack of planning yeah i've got so many questions so many questions first of all conservatorship has a bad name because of what happened with britney spears that type of conservatorship with her though you know was and i've watched documentaries on it because yes this is this is a, an area of law that i'm actually sincerely interested in that was the type of conservatorship with her people was the first time in California that something like that was done. It was crafted for her and her dad, and it was a bad situation for her. That's not what Gary is talking about here. However, that being said, because that was kind of a morphed conservator situation that was actually crafted inside of a new business venture, if you will. Mm-hmm. And without going into it, going off on a tangent down rabbit holes on that, you're talking about just straight conservatorship. But my question is, why wouldn't it be her? Why, why, why go into probate court and have somebody else be named conservator instead of the probate judge saying, you're wifey, it's now yours. And the well, assets go to her. Because he was, he was still alive, right, with a conservatorship. Oh. So husband is still alive. Husband needs money. I mean, because husband is now incapacitated, alive but incapacitated. So the conservatorship was just to move, make it so that wife could access money that was in husband's name. Because, I mean, it is very, very common to have a 401k IRA. All of your all of your retirement accounts are just in your name only. So in this situation, there's this retirement account and an investment account. They're both in his name. And she gets them when he dies. 
but she, she doesn't. But but she's the beneficiary if he died. But that's the problem. He's not dead. He's incapacitated, so he can't authorize access to those accounts. We had to get a court order to allow her now to get into the retirement account to take out money, to take out you know, distributions, or even to get in the investment account because it was in his name only. So so should should everybody who gets married then avoid the situation by putting these all accounts in in joint names? Is that possible? Uh, there's there's a couple things. One is put them in a trust, and then give so that uh. way, even if it's your, even if it's just husband's asset, he can move it into the name of the trust. So now the trust, the trustee has access to that money for the benefit of both of the beneficiaries of the trustee of the trust. Yeah. So in this case, there was these. It was a financial account, and had they uh, had they transferred that financial account to their trust, it would have been okay. Had had the wife a power of attorney. That said, you know, during my incapacity, you can, you know, move money to the trust or manage my finances. That would have been okay too. So, power of attorney, trust would have been fine. Um, you know, he he couldn't put her joint on the retirement account because by the very nature of it, but he could still have given her authority with a power of attorney, and or gotcha. with a living trust. So those two, they, because um, a good estate plan goes way beyond the death thing. I mean, 70% of us become incapacitated before we die. And incapacity right. is really expensive. Death is not. Right, because after you pass right. away, you don't need any more money. But incapacitated, you usually need more money, and now you're not productive. Wow, yeah, so that's I mean, part of a good estate plan. Yeah, absolutely. You're kind of mind blowing here because I hadn't even thought about this. I was just thinking that, yeah, we think of estate planning as preparing, and that's so much of what I taught to you about is preparing. You know, to make sure your loved ones are taken care of and you don't leave a mess. But the whole incapacitation thing, and that can go on a really long time. Oh, so long, so long, yeah. So that's, and that's why we do trusts. We, if you do a trust, you can put property in a trust. It can be controlled by either spouse, you know, whether one was incapacitated or not. Revoc- I, I love Irre- trust. I revocable, mean, though, right? You're not, uh, is, although there are times when yeah. an irrevocable makes sense. Yeah, for the, mo- for the most part, a revocable trust is good enough. I mean, it, 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 that's all you need. It's wonderful. And the irrevocable trust had to do with like um, keeping assets from creditors or if you have um, you, you have a beneficiary or a spouse or some situation where you're trying to keep somebody out of it, you permanently make it irrevocable. But irrevocables are tricky. Um, yeah. Typical is living trusts and living trust power attorneys that would have taken care of all this. That would, It avoids conservatorship. I mean, when I do a trust, I even say if there is the necessity for a conservatorship, this person is going to be appointed and then it makes it streamlined. You got to co- cover all the bases. You've got to anticipate yeah. all the different scenarios and and be covered for it. And that includes, I would imagine, uh, you know your your you know orders, your medical orders, whether or not you want resuscitation, whether or not yep. you want life support, and all that needs to be needs to be laid out because that's another area yes. where the bills can rack up real quick on your family if you've you know got wishes that you don't want to be you know that you know and then they're then the families you know you're in a coma yeah. for six months or you're brain dead for and I hate to be graphic but these are the kinds of things that happen that's, it's reality and that's if you haven't declared your intention then the family's like suffering trying to decide what to do well, what did he want to do do you want to be on life support or not yeah no, I totally agree that's all part of a complete estate plan well it's got to be done gotta and be you know and Absolutely. that could be you know i haven't heard anybody talk nobody talks anymore about new year's resolutions i haven't heard anybody that i know i haven't seen anything on social media but if you are going to have a new year's resolution uh-huh. it should be getting your affairs in order I agree. It and I, I don't know why we've gotten away from New Year's resolutions just because people think that they're cheap. We did my Friday show. We talked about it specifically on, on, you know, how to actually set up 
not just a New Year's resolution, but a goal for the year because that's the thing. Yeah, New Year's resolutions, goals for the year. That's huge for me. That's huge in my life. So we are you do? Are you doing? Show. Yeah, are you doing your Joy Found journal every day? Because you mentioned that when you run the show. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, in fact, we talked about sharing. So I want to show you one thing. Okay, okay. So this is my the Joy Found. Um, let's see where was it? Um, I found. So, and this was on, this is actually at a, at a meeting on Sunday. The joy that I found was this woman was speaking and it was so interesting. You're going to love this. She said, there is no comfort in a growth zone. There is no growth in a comfort zone. Sometimes there's just no comfort. Wow. And it was, cause she was talking to her kids about that. Like sometimes you guys to grow, it's not comfortable, but if you're comfortable, you're not growing. And I thought that is my life. I am trying to be I'm trying to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm getting used to being uncomfortable. Well, you know what? That is so wise. And I think that's the kind of sentiment and the kind of way in which we used to bring up people in this country. We used to tell children, yeah, "Yeah, you're being bullied right now, or yeah, you're going through an awkward phase right now. Cindy Crawford has talked many times about, to me, one of the most beautiful supermodels that's ever existed in the United States was a really awkward 12 and Mm 13-year-old. And, you know, know, everybody, most people go through a difficult time in their life. And, you know, we used to brace, you know, and part of the childhood angst and stuff that we've gone through prepares you for that. And then somehow decades ago, we, we got into this place in or decades. I don't even know how long ago to where every kid started getting a blue ribbon. And, you know, we've mm-hmm. got, you know, coloring rooms for if a kid's having a bad day. It's all about trying to trying to make sure that nobody ever has a discomfort, ever has an uncomfortable day. First of all, mm-hmm. it's not life. And you have to learn to be uncomfortable because... Because that is going to be life. And if you don't prepare a child for discomfort going on down the road, then they're just going to really, really, really be miserable. But that's one of the hardest things to learn to do is to go through a discomfort phase. And then what you're talking about, then you add in the choice, the choice to make yourself uncomfortable through growth. Stepping out of your comfort zone is a whole nother level that a lot of adults don't even want to go there. And that's a hard thing to do. Yes, it is difficult. It's necessary. It's part of growth. Um, do you want to share an area of growth that you find before I have to let you go that, that you've been focused on that, you know, you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're a rock climber. I mean, you know, you do yeah. all these things. I mean, come on. You're, you know, you're, you're, you step outside a comfort zone, you know, a lot so, in your life. Yeah, one thing that I yeah, I mean physically I push myself really hard um because I know that there's no there's there's no gain without discomfort. I mean that's the way I do everything physically. I kind of overcompensate for my lack of lack of ability. I can overcompensate with like pushing super hard. But um one of the main things that I'm working on this year is is being at peace with decisions that I make. Yeah. And be be okay with the sacrifices I'm making because sometimes it's easy for me to go, "Oh gosh, dang, this is so frustrating. I can't believe this." It's like I decided to do this. Yeah. This is, I'm okay with this. So I'm, I'm working really hard on finding joy and being okay with sacrifices I'm making, like literally, you know, trying to eat a clean diet and exercise regularly. And I'm, I'm okay with those sacrifices that I'm making. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, thank you for always making me laugh. Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing thank good you. content for people and, and the real world things that they can do. It's not the most pleasant type of law sometimes that you practice, but the but talk about you know a service that you provide for families. It's just absolutely amazing. And oh, d- hey, don't you have an event coming up? 
I do. Yeah, it's next. It's Thursday, the 26th from 630 to 8. We're putting on a healthy, wealthy and wise seminar. It's me and and my favorite financial planner, Anthony Wright. So it's free. They just have to call my office, 855-500-TRUST, and they can call and get a, a, a seat. So it's seating's limited. It's filling up. It's really exciting. It's getting filled up. We're going to do it at the Handlery Hotel at 630 on the 26th. So awesome. call my office, 855-500-TRUST. We'll do, uh, your, we'll do your state plan, and we'll give you a free seminar. Awesome. All right. Thank you, my dear. Thanks, Andrea. Appreciate it. All have right. Good one. Take it easy. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. Trump is kind of getting uh, some pushback for some comments he made about evangelical leaders. And I want to run this by you guys and see what you think about his comments and see if you think he needs to walk it back or what you think he needs to do. Stay tuned. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea K. on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Cage. So, so Trump was doing an interview uh, on the water cooler, and I've watched that. That's a real America's voice. And he was asked his thoughts on evangelical leaders' hesitance uh, to once again support him in his run for 2024. And here's what he had to say. Quote, I don't really care. It's a sign of disloyalty. He went on to say there's great disloyalty in the world of politics, and that's a sign of disloyalty. Because nobody has ever done more for right to life than Donald Trump. He went on to say, I put three Supreme Court justices who all voted and they got something they've been fighting for 64 years or many, many years. And nobody thought they could win, win it. They won. Roe v. Wade, they won. They finally won. Uh, Trump went on to uh, accuse the groups of failing to, quote, do what they could have done in 2022 midterm elections when the Republican Party was hopeful to reclaim both the House and the Senate. He went on to say he was a little, quote, a little disappointed because he thought he said, I was a little disappointed because I thought they could have fought much harder during the election, during the 2022 election, because, you know, they won and a lot of them didn't fight or weren't even really around to fight. And it did energize the Democrats. But a lot of the people who wanted and fought for years to get it, they weren't protesting and doing what they could have done. With all that being said, there's nobody who has done more for the movement that I have, and that includes the movement of evangelicals and Christians and the movement very much of right to life. Um, I'm curious what you guys think about these comments. I think that um, I think Trump needs to reframe it. First of all, I don't think loyalty has any the word loyalty has no place in politics for me when you are running for office i don't owe anybody my vote when you were elected into office whether or not you take a paycheck and he didn't you are there to serve the people that's your job we don't owe you anything in return and I think that from so I think that that was a mistake for him to phrase it that way. I think that he should be asking them, given everything that he did, he's absolutely right. He put the most pro-life people on the court back when he after he came down the escalators and it was clear that he was the he was the number one choice that he was able to reach across the aisle. And basically, so many of the evangelicals. Didn't like Trump because back in the 70s or 80s, whenever it was, he had made pro-abortion and pro-choice comments. And he was like, look, let me prove to you who I am as a Christian. And he did a lot of things. His things that he said uh, in debates 
um, he produced a list of judge uh, of Judge uh, SCOTUS nominees that he would appoint if he became president. He made it very clear on the campaign trail that as and as a campaigner and then later on as a president, he absolutely was the most Christian, the most pro-life candidate and then president we've ever had in this country, even more than Ronald Reagan. He did more to advance conservatism than any candidate or president of the United States. Absolutely without question. However, nobody owes you anything going forward. He also made some mistakes. And he needs to recognize that. Because as a Christian, I was talking to somebody today about how the churches failed us during COVID. That it was clear how COVID and that virus was being used to completely transform this country. And too many churches and too many church leaders went along with it. It is your job to continue to assemble. It is your job to continue to preach the gospel. Not go along with what was obviously a replacement of God with state. If you could walk, if you could congregate in a Walmart, but you couldn't congregate in a church on Sunday, the churches need to stand up and say, we're not going along with this, even if it means being arrested. Okay. So, so, and so the church, the church made a lot of mistakes during COVID time, but so did Trump because he went along with, he went along with all this COVID communistic crap that was antithetical to our Judeo-Christian principles and values. It was a threat, a vi- one of the greatest threats we've ever had in this country to our Christianity was this COVID lockdown crap, and then the the push of uh, denying us our our body sovereignty with the push for these shots. Basically, what went on with these COVID crackdowns is it was government playing God. Instead of trusting in your yourself and your relationship with God, it was government's going to tell you when you can breathe, when you can leave your home, whether or not God gave us a nose and a mouth open, unobstructed, not to be covered and not to be forced to be covered by a bureaucrat. So there's 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 blame to go around in terms of and I talked about this many times in terms of the church not getting out to, to vote, um, not not being active and pushing back against the tyranny and the communism crap going on in this country. But when it comes to somebody running for office, nobody owes you anything. Don't talk about loyalty. What he should be talking about is he should be saying, look, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed why any leader wouldn't follow me. I feel like I was the most pro-Christian and pro-life president in, in the country we've ever had. Here's my list of accomplishments. What I, what I would request is a meeting. I want to bring all the, the top evangelical leaders to Mar-a-Lago and have a summit and talk about why you think I failed you and what we could do different. That's the he should have reached out to them. Remember when he was running, he brought all he brought all the the he brought a lot of evangelical leaders up to Trump Tower. He brought a lot of black leaders up to Trump Tower. Why he needs to do that again. He needs to get back to being the Trump who ran in fit 2015 and 2016. Do you agree, Skins? I agree. I do. This isn't the way to go about it. Look, he has suffered more than any American in terms of a totalitarian jackboot state using its full weight to stomp on his neck to persecute and prosecute him. 
He has truly suffered personally in the quest to try to save this country. I get it. But from a salesmanship standpoint, that ain't the way to go about and get people back on the train with you in 2024. It's just not. As well as the fact that he made some comments recently about pro-life candidates needing to uh, offer uh, on the campaign trail, offering exceptions. That's not the way you sell Roe v. with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Nobody needs to no nobody needs to back off the pro life position in this country. The overturning of Roe v. Wade returns states' rights, and it's up to the voters. And what we've seen with the voters is, you know, the. You don't need you don't need to make you don't need to make concessions on a pro-life argument to win in this country. And the way we can see that is how it's playing out. What where I, at the at the state level where I and that wasn't that wasn't doesn't address the issue. Did we have an issue in the midterms related to Roe v. Wade? We did. And it had to do with the Republican Party refusing to engage on the issue. Never talking about it on the campaign trail. That issue was not the evangelicals issue. That that's not a, that's not a mistake of the churches. That was mistake on the half of the RNC as well as the Republicans running for office who didn't know how to sell the reversal of Roe v. Wade and what it meant for states' rights and what it meant for local voters. So I think Trump is wrong here all the way around in how he's selling this. He needs to get his footing back. He needs to he needs to stop being hurt. He needs to stop looking at it as though um, it, he needs to go back to the 2015-2016 guy who was in it to save the country, who wasn't in it to be everybody's hero, who wasn't in it for the glory and wasn't in it for for the adulation. Should be running his campaign like this is his first he's going for his first term in office. Absolutely. Absolutely. He should be coming out and saying, uh, you know, let's rewind. And, uh, you know, and I'm 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 once again, the outsider here to talk about how I'm going to change things. And and here's what I did the first time. But, you know, um, basically, we're starting fresh and I'm the outsider. I'm not articulating that very well, but you get my point. We're going to take a break. We come back. We got to talk about DeSantis. I do like his Trump's comment about DeSantis if he runs. Um, But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about something that DeSantis did in the state of Florida that's a very good thing for the citizens. You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. I think I'm going to save this DeSantis story for the end. I think what I want to play is this clip from Davos because I think it's really relevant. It's something I've been talking about for a really long time, and it's the push for hate speech legislation in the United States. And I've been warning about this. This this was always going to be the next step from hate crimes legislation, which is where, you know, some victims, their 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 death or victimhood is so much worse because of the color of their skin. And that the push is just with a cancel culture and you're a bigot if you don't use certain pronouns. Uh, it's it's coming to America. Uh, Skins, please play clip one. Well, we need the people who understand the language and the case law in the country. Mm. Because what qualifies as hate, hate speech, as illegal hate speech, which you will have soon also in the U.S. I think that um, we, we have a strong reason why we have this uh, in the criminal law. Uh, we, uh, we need the platforms uh, to simply work with, with the language and to identify such cases. The AI would be too dangerous. 
this is referring to social media and how social media is going to be an assistance in, in uh, hate speech legislation. And so you can see that this has been in the works for a really, 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 really long time. That some that uh, this and, and there's still people, even on conservative ends, that think that it's OK to decide what words people should read and what words people shouldn't. We should have never gone down the path of you can't you can't scream fire in a crowded theater because that just led us to the path that we're on right now. The Republicans didn't even want to remove 230 protections from social media. It was the the Republicans as well as Democrats who went to Twitter and got accounts banned and suspended because of disinformation. When Parler was taken down, when Parler when when Parler was taken down by Apple, uh, they had to negotiate with Apple as well as Google in order to be able to get an app for content control. What is content control and content moderation? It's suppression of speech and hate speech legislation is just like a mask you got to wear and put on your face. It's all about uh, protecting people, right? It's disrespectful if you don't if if you don't go along with some transgender's demands that you use certain pronouns. That's disrespectful. I warned about this year many years ago. I read a book called While Europe Slept. It was written by Bruce Bauer. Talked about it many times on the show. And this was after 2004, I think. He fled a uh, gay activist and he fled to Europe. Uh, the great Scandinavia, right? Socialist Scandinavia, because he couldn't stand the religious right in this country. And he wrote a book about uh, the, how he they began to understand why Christianity and our Judeo-Christian principles and values were so important. Because without them, without that foundation, uh, the Western countries over there uh, would fall for, quote, multiculturalism, right? Nobody can, nobody can describe to you or, or clarify any value in multiculturalism because there really isn't any. And so what ended up happening, wokeism took, took place a long time ago and took root and took over the European Union many years ago. He wrote in this book after I think it was 2005 about school kids being put in jail because of words they didn't like. And typically at that point, it surrounded Islamophobia. Because what they did over there was they opened their borders and let any Tom, Dick and Harry come in. And then uh, they had to, you know, go along. They had to basically kowtow to all these other cultures that had come over and taken over here in, in the U.S. And then and then they actually affected hate speech legislation. Right. And they started criminalizing certain words. And that's taking root here in this country. And we need to be pushing back against it hard. It's funny how she laughs in that speech, right? And, and that it's funny how she laughs when she says, it's coming to America. Hate, hate speech legislation is coming to America. And they intend on it. They intend on it. And of course, it's going to be under the guise of protecting children. It's going to be through the LB. Here's here's the, how I, I perceive the first piece of hate speech legislation. I predict it comes about uh, through Congress over the LBGTQ kids and transgender kids under the guise of these words can't be can't be used because otherwise people are going to kill themselves. That's how I think it's going to be introduced. And do you guys think we've got a Republican Party willing to push back against it? I don't.
All right, we're going to take a break. Final segment for tonight's Andrea K. Show. Andrea K. Telling you like it is while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. So ESG is something that I got to pat myself on the back. I was one of the first people to be talking about ESG scores, that it's not just going to be something that uh, ESG stands for environment, um, social and governance, right? And it's actually ESG scores have been something that have been used by different financial institutions done in Bradstreet, I think, Standard & Poor's years ago started implementing this with businesses before any of us even heard about it. And it's, you know, the Chinese social credit score system. So far, it's been with corporate America. It's making its way to us directly and indirectly and will be a part of our, our, our digital footprint. Um one of the first ways that you could see ESG playing out where corporations basically, and what it means for corporations is they're evaluated for loans and venture capitalists and different stuff on the basis of uh, not just their financial viability and their debt to income ratio and da da da, but basically how they stand according to these woke criteria of environmental, social justice and governance. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis has come out and said when it came to state fund managers, um, that he didn't want ESG to be considered at all and to be a part of anything having to do with Florida. And he has banned it. And here's what his state chief financial officer, Jimmy Petrona, said in a press release. He said, we need asset managers to be laser focused on returns and nothing more. That's what it should be. You make your money. That's your sole job. Not to be pushing climate change, not to be pushing social, being a social justice warrior. Your job as a fund manager is to make money. He goes on to say Florida is not going to subsidize the actions of a bunch of leftist leftist ideologues who hate America. We're not going to let a bunch of rich people in Manhattan or Europe try to circumvent our democracy. Uh, DeSantis, in announcing the policy, went on to say, quote, corporations across America continue to inject an ideological agenda through our economy rather than through the ballot box. Today's actions reinforce that ESG considerations will not be tolerated here in Florida. And I look forward to extending these protections during this legislative session. So well done. I mean, basically, wokeism has infected so many aspects of our society for years and we didn't even know about it we didn't even know about it and now that we do it's incumbent upon all of us to demand particularly our elected officials to demand that it has no place whatsoever in our society and we got to be planning just like we got to be pushing back against hate speech legislation now not waiting until it's on our doorstep we also got to be pushing back against social credit scores coming down on us and that's why uh, the shots were so important for the Great Reset because the shots were going to get us uh, with uh, on the digital footprint that then they were going to use to where we couldn't maneuver society or do anything in society if we didn't fulfill their little social credit score, social justice stuff. All right, here's a funny story for you guys. Here's a funny story. Okay, um, speaking of uh, the environment, uh, a man <laughs> dude pays $115,000 for an electric Hummer. He charged it on Sunday and finds out it won't be done and recharged until Friday. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. 
115K and Duke can't even drive it. Hopefully it's in a locked garage as secure as Joe Biden's. Going to quickly go to the phones before we run out of time tonight. Disaffected Mites on the line. Hey, bud, been a long time since you called in. It's been a bit. Uh, Happy New Year to you and uh, Mr. Skins. Uh, Listen, uh, ESG should be fought tooth and nail. Why? Because, um, frankly, it's an illegal illegal measure, uh, an illegal uh, type of measure against uh, the viability of any company or corporation. Um, No bank should be allowed to use it. Uh, No corporation should be allowed to use it. No government entity should be allowed to use it. It has no basis in reality or fact, and it should be fought against. It should be sued into oblivion. Um, I, you know, it just has no place in society. Uh, just like, uh, just like uh, uh, hate speech laws have yeah. no place in society. They are anti-American. Uh, you cannot, under the color of law, tell me what to say, when I can say it, or how I can say it, if it affects somebody else. I'm in control of my own life. I don't control what other people do. But I can speak my mind, and the government has no say so, or should have no say so in how I'm governed against it. So that's that's this is this is their end game. This is what they want to do. They want total yep. control of your life in every aspect, and it needs to be fought against. And I hope, honestly, I hope I die before I see any of this, because I don't think I'd be able to stand it. Because you know, you know what they say about a man who has nothing else, nothing else left to lose. Um, and a lot of these people, I think, uh, should be. Uh, uh, pushing up daisies as far as I'm concerned, but that's but that's my opinion. I think you know that. So, well, you know, I agree with not, you. They're not they're not friends of me or my country. That's 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 all I know. Well, this is in America. This is in America, and you know somebody over no. in the World Economic Forum is laughing about a hate speech legislation coming here. They have been setting the stage for this for a really long time, and it will happen in this country. Um, because we we have a uniparty system where we've got Republicans that are perfectly okay with it. I mean, you and and here's how you can know because the Republican Party signed on to a 1.7 trillion dollar omnibus bill in December when all they had to do was fund the government for two weeks, uh, just the basics of government for two weeks until the new Congress took over. And a lot of that 1.7 trillion was all kinds of ESG crap. It was oh, yeah. all kinds of money for transgender this and pork pot belly crap and and you know and so you know we so what we need to do as citizens is we need to be fighting back we need to be taking control of our country back and saying heck no disaffected mike thanks for calling in thank you appreciate it um do we have time skins for another call we don't hey we'll be back tomorrow night 6 p.m pacific time we're about out of time we've got 10 seconds left caller you can always call our 24-hour line which is 844-814-5227 844-814-5227 is our 24-hour hotline leave us a message there love you all peace out we'll see you tomorrow night right back here tomorrow's hump day you don't want to miss it Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.